Hello, everybody. It's your old friends of Money Madness, and welcome yes. to the latest episode of the Liquid Football Podcast. Hey. Uh, myself, Black, Fri- uh, Black Friday special that's coming to you free. Yes, because <laughs> we are not behind the paywall. Why the fuck did you get that idea, Neil? Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> As if this podcast is good enough to be paid for. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there in, maybe in 15 years. We have some level of journalistic integrity. Um, but yes, yeah, so uh, myself and Neil joining you for this episode yet again. And uh, it's been a quiet one, Neil, relatively speaking, except for a couple of very fun stories that we can chat about. Absolutely. In, in, any, in any other month, in any other kind of season, like this would be rammed, like this is packed to the rafters shit. But after mm. the debacle that was last month, yeah, it's been relatively tame. Yeah, you know? it's like the come down, isn't it? It's like <laughs> yeah. the, it's the wind down. It's the epilogue to a to a rather serious meal. But um, mm. but yes, no, we we uh, we are back uh, on a regular like podcasting schedule, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are essentially talking about the uh, the football that was. We had a bit of an interlude, obviously, which um we we probably won't be discussing here because. It was the interlude. Um, but also that and we had a little bit of Premier League action. But I suppose the uh, it was actually quite a fun weekend of football, to be fair, Neil. Um, speaking personally, um, I thought uh, I thought Saturday was a great day, personally. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Saturday was good. I mean, uh, it's just the thing about the, the uh, now annual pumping by Liverpool. Although, to yes. be honest with you, like, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. What the thing about it going into the match, I kind of fucking like I'm a big fan, but I'm I'm not insane or deluded. I sort of Mm. knew knew we were going to lose, just didn't want us to embarrass ourselves because we're on a good run, we've got a lot of momentum, and sort of like a humiliating loss was going to derail that. I was hoping for kind of like a scrappy, maybe 2 0, maybe 3 1 kind of Mm. loss where we make it difficult for Liverpool. but fuck me, just the amount of mistakes that people were making all, all left, right and centre makes it really difficult for that kind of match to sort of analyse. Yes. I know Art de Rocher in, on The Athletic wrote about like this 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 drilling was different because this team has got hope and determination. I was like, all right, then fine, you might be right there, but this is still really, really bad. Like, yeah. In particular, I think Tavares had probably his worst match in his entire life. It's definitely yeah. had his worst match for in an Arsenal shirt. Like, some of the mistakes he were making were fucking criminal. Like mm. his mistake for the Jota goal was just ridiculous. Yeah, like, he, like just analyzing it, not even analyzing. Just it's one of those Watching. things where you, all you have to do is just basically to point out everything that he did wrong. All you have to do is point out what he did. Yeah, you know. No, I so get that. Yeah, he receives the ball. He's under no real pressure. He runs mm. past two players and then cuts it back straight to Jota on the edge of the box. Mm. Jota, a player he's just run by. He's run past him and he's just cut the ball straight back to him. It's fucking terrible. Like, and it's such, like Jota's not showing for the ball or anything because he realises, like, because he's in the middle and he's like, oh, fuck, the ball's ball's gone out for the left back. Oh, fuck. And he's about to start tracking back Mm. (laughs) and the ball just arrives at his feet. He's like, the fuck? All right. right, Uh, well, okay, I can live with this. It's just criminal. Yeah. Like he completely like the pass that he made that wound up at Jota was so bad. I actually can't tell who who he was aiming at. Mm. Leonardo, you know what I say? Like, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was a bad pass for Partey or some shit like that. Like, no, I actually don't know who he was aiming at because it was mm. so fucking terrible. It was nowhere near any other Arsenal player. 
Yeah. And it was no, it was just mistakes all over the kip. Um, and I, we're enough for a fucking another wonder performance from Ramsdale. Jesus, it could have been an absolute pumping. Especially the first half. Like he, yeah. he really saved your bacon in the first half. Now that's not to say Arsenal were I think Arsenal were okay. I think it was more so that Liverpool kind of were a slow start more than anything else. I think mm. that was kind of the main thing. Like a lot of that was down to our own kind of input. And once we once we started like ramping up the energy levels, I don't think Arsenal could really reply to it. You know, there was a certain yeah. level where you could keep up. But once it got to that level, that that intensity that you expect from Liverpool, especially in a big match, Arsenal couldn't really kind of like sustain it. Yeah, That's basically what it what the match when somebody somebody actually asked me there what it was. Or what they thought, what I thought of the match it was like basically it is, it was what it was in that it was a game with one team where most of them had not even played more than 10 games together up yeah. against another team where the vast majority of them have had almost four seasons, maybe more. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, you're gonna get that's that's just one has a level of fluidity that the other just doesn't, yes. Yeah. And, and like this, is, it's also a team that's champ that's challenging for the title, whereas. With Arsenal, it's very much and the Champions League as well, like you know. Oh, very, very much so. We'll get to that later on. Um, but like, yeah, it, it's almost a case where like you know you're going up against an elite team, and the difference with Arsenal is that obviously they're not there. Um, but they ever make it there is a question. But it's a case of like they're still a work in progress. You can see that there are some positives and there's some negatives, and they're both they're all being kind of ironed out over the season. Yeah. Because the ability you now you, you still have the ability to kind of like eke out a performance and a result if you can, and you're picking up good results that way. But it's the case of like getting them into kind of bigger games is going to come as well. And that's not to say you just can't. Like, even when Arteta started, you were actually getting some pretty significant results yeah. at the time. It's just having the personnel to do it all the time and having a team that fits the mould too. Um, which is well, why, if the like, team does fit the mould, it's just that now has to expand into it and actually fill it out, you know? Exactly, yeah. They have to do it every single week now. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to just having it maybe once or twice or when you're facing Spurs, you know, um, but yeah, no, like Ramsdale very much kind of saved your bacon in the first half. Um, and then just, as you said, the, the mistakes kept, crept, crept in. The high press was absolutely smothering the back four of Arsenal. Like, you just couldn't get out half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the midfield, and, 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 and to our credit, like, the, the Liverpool midfield is always going to be a weird, like, uh, uh, like cross-examination every match to see, did it work, did it not work, all that sort of shit. Um, but it worked this time. Like, we had, it was a mixture of, Thiago, Oxley, Chamberlain, and Fabinho, I want to say, because Henderson wasn't playing. And the combination between Thiago and Oxley Chamberlain was really good. I was just like, yeah, there's two lads who we didn't expect to get on, but actually did work really well because there's a good to and fro between them. Like it was really I think, nice. I think mobile, I think mobile Thiago, I think, is just one of those obscenely gifted players that you could put like traffic cones next to him and he'd be like, Man, that traffic cone's fucking deadly, you know. Yeah, yeah. Got fucking Ed Woodward coming in bidding 35 million what? quid for that fucking traffic cone, you know. Uh, so I tell you, take, but it will, I don't know what you want to say about Thiago, but he's starting, mm. he wants to get like a run of games because he's been, his his time at Liverpool has been pockmarked with injuries. Yeah. And he's not been well. able to get any kind of head of steam with his momentum. Mm. He's just an obscenely talented player, as we saw a lot in the game against Porto. Oh, very much so, yeah. Yeah. That, that, so, that goal is... <laughs> yeah. The fucking argument... That sounds... That sounds... The argument on the, on the arguments online, it's kind of like, oh, is the dress grey? Is the dress black? Or is it blue? Or is that, that type of thing? It's like, the arguments are about that shot is, did it bounce? Did it actually bounce? It's like, no, it actually did not bounce off the ground. Because if you no, hit it, it down and it hit the ground, it would not have gone off like that. Like... <laughs> 
I know it sounds improbable, yeah. but it did not bounce. Yeah, there, that's me. That's me. I'm not on the fence about that. It didn't bounce. No, I'm, I'm, I'm hashtag did not bounce. No. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag free Tiago. I, I, <laughs> I didn't realize this is going to be such a bone of contention, but um, yeah, I'm. I'm it is online. Fucking hell! Have you seen people go mad? They're going mad about it. People were mad. No, the, the the only thing I saw people going mad about the Porter game was that at the end, two like little kids ran on and, and, and nicked oh, the match ball. Yeah, and. And it's just like adults going like they shouldn't do that. That's disgusting. And then every other like former Liverpool player going, "Go on, son, get that fucking ball. Go on." <laughs> yeah, uh, very funny. But yeah, that's that's just what that's the way it is. But like I said, that was kind of the crowning uh, achievement of a weekend. I saw quite a lot of fun fun results, fun matches to be fair, and um, two trials between like Burnley and Palace, which I wasn't expecting, and um, or Newcastle Brentford. So Eddie Howe's um. Uh, tune revolution, tune evolution. We call it revolution tune. I don't know. Uh, tune uh, evolution. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a buzzword. He's middleman of it. He loved that. And um, you know, so there was there was draws all around. But I suppose the uh, my favourite results from the weekend. I think me and you might have the same answer <laughs> here. And um, Watford four, Man United one, and um, which did prove to be the straw that broke the camel's back. And. Um, Yep. So Ole we is have Ole. time to, to finally like do this autopsy on Ole's time with Man United. <laughs> and like I, I value your thoughts on it myself, but like I just like this is obviously very, very inevitable. You know, like it was always going to happen. But what? the fact that they did bring in so many big names, big egos, and made the team so naturally top heavy that you needed someone with a bit of tactical nous to make it work. And when you have someone in charge who just clearly doesn't have it. What else were you expecting but an abject failure? You know, um, it was someone out of his depth. And I don't think he's inherently a bad person. I think he's actually quite a nice guy. I think he's a like genuinely good person. But the problem is, like, to to manage people like your your Pogba's, your Bruno's and Ronaldo's, you need a fucking arsehole in there. You need someone to stamp the foot down and say, go here, go here, and shut the fuck up. The problem is, you can absolutely imagine that Ollie was going, come on, guys, let's have fun. Let's hold hands. There must be way. Come on, lads. You know, everybody seeing the fucking kumbaya and the fucking dressing room. He kind no. of strikes me as that kind of guy, yeah. Yeah, no, the thing is, the thing about me is why it took so, why it took so long. Yeah. You know, it's that, like, it was very obvious. It was obvious for months now that all, but it's, I think it was always obvious that Ollie was not the permanent choice. For Manchester United, they were always going to get rid of him. And I was thinking at the at the start of the season, kind of everybody sort of knew like he's not getting through the season unless he fucking wins the league, yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? yeah. which wasn't going to fucking happen. Let's let's be honest. Extremely, with that. extremely unlikely. Highly <laughs> unlikely. The Vegas yeah. odds were against them there, so everybody was thinking was like, well, they'll just tag him along, string him along until like a good replacement comes up. Mm. Because at the time there was absolutely nobody around, and then you know loads of managers decided they cro- at times they cropped up available. Mm. In particular, last month for Conte, I was like, they could have gotten Conte. Why didn't you get Conte? Conte actually, funnily enough, Ole has them had them playing the same style that mm. Conte is a specialist at. And you're going, well, if you're fine with that. Okay, then that's grand. If that's how you want to play, you want to play three at the back, and you want to play with wing backs, and you want to play this nice compact style. That's great. That's fine. But that's not Ole's style. That's not the style he wants to play. That's not the style he likes to play. Yeah, it's and the style he's more than it else. 
exactly and there's a style mm. out and there's a manager out there who's won leagues <laughs> who's actually won the very league that you're fucking competing in playing yes. that exact style <laughs> fucking hire him don't wait around because there's other teams on the block that are looking to fucking sack managers that are looking to get replacements and they'll come in and fucking sign him they just didn't act and then literally yeah. a month after Conte signs for Spurs which is a car crash we'll probably get to analysing after this Yes, he will. And then they go and fucking sack Ollie. And then hilariously, look at the details that come out about it. Like they signed the entire back, all the backroom staff all signed brand new contracts only weeks ago. Mm. <laughs> and they go and sack the fucking manager. And then you're like, I genuinely think they're going to have Carrick just, oh, they're going to have Ranganick now as the, the yes. runner to be their interim interim. Oh no, sorry, Carrick's the interim interim. Ranganick will be the interim. And they're just basically just going to string along the backroom staff until the end of the season so they don't have to pay like all three years of their new contracts off. They'll only have to pay off two. Mm. And, and that, you know, that's, that's the trouble as well. Like, I mean, listen, it goes without saying that like the Man United like, squad are there. The team is not run like a team. It's run like a business. It's run like something else. So when you do like see very unsporting decisions like that, um, it, it, it kind of really shows up, particularly, with, as you said, with the contracts thing. That That is completely immune to the whole like what's happening on the pitch aspect of it they just see like you know they, they might hear that things are going well or they might just be politically happy to have the likes of Solskjaer and Carrick and McKenna and whoever else is there and Mike Phelan just around you know they don't cause a fuss they don't like maybe they don't like ask for anything or whatever it is and they're happy to keep them along for those reasons but the fact that you do as you said you offer them you offer them and you get them to sign three-year contracts very close to when they got thrashed 5-0 by Liverpool. It's very strange timing. And if anything, it's completely ignorant of the fact that the team is clearly not well on the pitch. It's actually not even taken into account the fact that the, the, these coaches might actually be not be good enough for this, for this, for this outfit. Hmm. You know, like it, when you look at like, when you look at the, the coaching outfit, sometimes, you know, yourself, if you're, if you have a manager that's out of your, out of a place or out of position, um, you might uh, you might look at say some one of the coaches and go he might be able to take charge he might know what he's doing you know in the same way where Newcastle thought maybe like when Steve Bruce left their kind of uh, interim could have been Rob Jones who was their actual like uh, attacking coach and think oh well he might be okay in the interim or when you know when any kind of like club knows they're going down they give someone a chance as an interim to see what happens you know I'm thinking like uh, Tyndall at Bournemouth when Eddie Howe left and now recently yeah. Michael or Paul Heckenbottom's got this Sheffield job because he was there when they got relegated so you're thinking okay well like, I, can, I can understand the club are somewhat loyal to these uh, to these people and giving them willing to give them a chance but this is Manchester United this is a team that like on paper must challenge for championships loyalty cannot come into it you know you cannot you're not going to be able to get a dream team of Darren Fletcher, Michael Carrick and Ole Solskjaer to a Champions League final. It's just not happening. You need <laughs> specialists. You need people who are objective winners. These are all unproven quantities. Like Ole's like, CV is dreadful compared to someone else. In the same way that Carrick is completely unproven. Fletcher is completely unproven. You have, I think someone made the point. It's like, why is it that the three most, three inexperienced people, or sorry, the, sorry, the phrase was, why are people learning on the job in on one of the biggest clubs in the world? You know, we have this same issue with every club. It's the same with almost every club. Like, just you go in, and almost m- most clubs, it's just all former players, and just because they know people, they can I, I do get go that. in. 
they get into I, positions I of power and they're just like, oh yeah, well, you know, that's just it. Like, it's fucking crazy, you know? I mean, that's the same. It, it, we've stopped that now at Arsenal. Like, we only get in former players when we actually, oh no, this guy actually does know what he's doing. So for instance, yeah. when we got Mert Sakharin to run the fucking academy, like nobody ever doubted that Mert Sakharin didn't have the intelligence to run shit. He was going to mm. do good. Ditto, somewhat with Arteta. Probably nobody really saw him as head coach just yet. But it's it probably, you know, it's working. Same, let me take a look at Vieira at Palace. Like, you knew Vieira was Brave a born, yeah. fucking yeah. born leader. You knew he was going to be a good one. But, like, they're getting people like Solskjaer. I was like, you fucking serious? Like, the guy you used to bring on at, like, 35 minutes, 35 minutes left when everybody was wrecked and he to score loads. No, great player, scored loads of goals. Mm. He was never coaching material. Ditto Carrick, uh, you know, fucking, or any of the rest of them <laughs> that they've got yeah. in there. It's fucking shocking. Like, how would these people get in? Now, in all fairness to them, I don't think Carrick is looking for the job on a permanent basis. I don't think so either. That'd be too big for him, I think. He's even probably a bit that himself. It's like, yeah, I think even he is turned around and went, look, no, here. So hmm. they're getting Ranginick in, and that's all right then. Uh, Klopp was actually asked about that recently in the yes, world games at the weekend. And he's like, look, if it's true, it's just not good. It's not good for any of the other teams. Now, obviously, they asked Klopp because of his history, Rangnick. Yeah. Um, and there's no doubt that he has a huge amount of respect for him. And he's maybe, yeah, maybe he's a bit right. He's like, Jesus, if United actually get behind this guy and do the right thing by him, fuck, you know, maybe that's yeah. it, you know? I'm like, no doubt that when Klopp was working with him in the Bundesliga, you know, they were, you know, he would look at Rangnick and go, fuck me, if he had somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo, he'd be fucking winning the planet like you know yeah that's always what they say about him in a sense where like Rangnick was able to was like was a type of that type of coal into diamond type of manager which is appropriate because pretty much every German manager follows that kind of rule in a sense where like it's not just it's not just about the players that you're that the team is based on it's the system it's it's making everything click in that way you know so like because a lot of people are making so much about the fact that there is such a German kind of like brain trust coaching wise and a lot of it comes from Ralph Ragnick who kind of was the starter of a lot of that they have you know, they have kind of gotten the typhoid Mary of this sort of German mindset yeah and like this new it, way it does, all, it does all yeah. stem from him like literally everything Geigen pressing the whole fucking thing mm. all of this running like you need to fucking run 12 kilometers a game every yes. game you know all of it it's from him it's he is patient zero yeah, he, he's like the he's like the modern like the the modern prophet of of Gegenpressing because I noticed there was a lot, a lot of coaches in like the eighties that like kind of more were probably more like it actually invented the system, and then someone like Ragnar comes around and like actually makes it more modern, where it isn't just like about running around and, and, and pressure and energy. It's more focused. It's more tactical. It's strategic. You're doing it at the right places at the right time, and it's more efficient because as is often the case with like with that type of pressing it's not necessarily about actually rushing the player it's actually positioning yourself so that you're cutting out the passing lane you're giving them a less of a chance to pass so it's getting that mindset and stuff like that is is what's really working and you can see that with certain teams when they do actually like adopt that type, type of style like i even i remember when when club did come into uh, liverpool the first like match we had it was against Spurs, I think. And it was a nil-all draw. It was a very dull game. But the difference was the output. Like everyone was like, I think Milner clock fucking 15, 16 kilometers, you know, which is ludicrous, even for Milner standards, you know. Um, but that's the difference, though. It was the fact that the work rate was up and immediately the actual morale was up as a, as a as as a token of that because 
everyone knew the hard work was was paying off. It was going somewhere. Now, I have no idea how that's going to work with a team that is still, the issue is you have a ma- you have a massive person up front that is not going to do that running. So how do you work around him? I have no doubt that he will have an idea and a system because the guy's been around for fucking decades. He knows how to make people fit in the tactical systems. What I'm more intrigued about is like how he's going to do for after this because they have him in to be the actual coach for six months. And then the plan is then for him to be the actual consultant for Man United for two years. So it's kind of like a roundabout way of making him technical director, but not actually being director. So he's more like, I guess he's more hands-on. Did he get like a, a more inexperienced coach in or are he looking for someone like Pochettino? You know, that's well, the been, burning question. looking for Poch for years since yeah. um, they, they wanted to get him off spores, but hadn't been really been able to. Then he got Spurs to this Champions League final, and then they were like, "Holy shit! If he's doing up that fucking rag, ragtag, like this is the guy we need to get." Mm. Um, and then got to the final. Then he committed to Spurs, and they were like bollocks. But then Levi fucked them. Um, but I, I don't see Poch going there. I don't see Poch going to Manchester. Me neither. Yeah. You see, he got burned by the system at Spurs because everything went through Levi. Yeah. Now he's in the process of getting slowly roasted by the system at Paris Saint-Germain because mm. the players control it. Like he, he's got players who can literally call the owners up and get themselves taken off the team sheet if they're, you know, if they've got a birthday at the weekend. Yes. <laughs> you know. Uh, That's true, actually. Yeah. That is actually very much true. That, that came straight from memory. And uh, so you're just like, he, you're kind of thinking, like, all right, I'm fine. He'll have to go. If, if he does go to United, he'll, he's going to turn around and go, I'm not working with this system. This system mm. can go get fucked. I want to sit somewhere having a lot more say. But the thing is, United have already revamped the system behind the scenes. They've already gotten in loads of other fucking people. They've changed yeah. up their entire corporate structure. And they're going to they're gonna have to do that again just to get in Pochettino? Uh, Pochettino? No, that's, mm. I don't see that happening. Uh, same with like when we were talking about getting Ten Hag in. No, don't get me wrong, Ten Hag would be brilliant, but Ten Hag only really works in the IAC system, which is a brilliant exactly. system. Yeah. He's a fantastic cog in what is a well oiled machine. Are you know an IAC style system? Fuck no. They are absolutely, if anything, the antithesis of an IAC mm-hmm. system. They're going to have to, if they want Ten Hag in, they're going to have to change everything again. I don't see them fucking doing that. It's just, it's, it's mental. Like, I, I just, I don't see where they're going to do. Like, getting, I was surprised they got in rank. I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to know what rank Nick is getting paid. Um, it's, I lie, I'd say, I'd say he's sleeping on the fuck. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's a, it's probably, it's, I'd say it's certainly more, if not on par with the 16 million that Conte is getting, getting out of spores. I'd be I'd be offering that because like he probably did come in going like well here's your plan here's a fix it and like you can imagine like the actual suits who again uh, none of whom are football people. people. So some of them are, some of them are. You know, there's one. There's you know Darren Fletcher's there somewhere in the corner making tea. <laughs> you know, but um, but like but that's the thing like yeah exactly they're not football people but they may have heard of Ralph Ragnick or someone like in the know says get this guy in as a case of like. If you have a good business plan, you win, in a sense. Mm. Which is why like, I think it's more likely that they would go for someone like Brendan Rodgers, because I think he does so well in an interview, he would actually kind of cut them into thinking he's good. Good enough for you in Man United. You know, kind of way. He's still a good coach. Rodgers has openly stated he doesn't want the job. 
Oh, I know that. He's but that's, but that's they're more likely to poach someone like him. That's that's why that's what I'm saying. That's the level they'd go for rather than someone like someone who actually like would demand so much of a system that you have to change to, to suit them. Like, can I see someone like Zidane going there? No, because Zidane wants a monopoly over everything. Like, exactly. he, also, he had Real Madrid to his to his beck and call. Like, why would yeah. he? Why would he change? Exactly. Same way also, with like, Hag, one same of the thing. one of the main thing. One of the main sort of issues that they had with Solskjaer was that he wasn't communicating correctly with the players. So getting yeah. in Stan, who doesn't even speak English. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's, uh, no, that's not the way to go. I, I, it's weird because I don't think anybody really fits. You know, I think yeah, Ranganik, but- Ranganik is only good. He'll write that chip, but can he make them good? Fuck no. It's a tricky one because again, they're, they're looking at it as if like they're trying to, he's trying to I'm trying to understand the uh, the approach. Whereas I don't think yeah, there is one. Like I don't think so either. Like, where, where I, I feel that, like it's that... been left to him to figure it out. That's the more the thing, I think about right? it. I think we're at the, we're kind of we're in the scene at the end of Apocalypse now. You know where Colonel Kurtz has asked fucking Will Wilson going like, "Are my methods not sound?" And Wilson turns around hmm. and goes. I don't see any no. methods, sir. <laughs> and that's just it. Like, you know, yeah. Woodward and the rest of the fucking, the, the Glazers are fucking sat there going, are, are our methods not, are we not doing this right? And you're like, you're not doing anything. Like, he, there's no plan. Yeah. Of course, just, nothing's fucking working. You're just throwing money at things, picking names out of a fucking hat. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that because that is, that is essentially what they're doing. In a sense where, like, I think, like, Ragnick has now been left with the entire footballing business of football of Man United and expecting it to make it work. So he could be, like, a one... I, I think that's why he's actually in that kind of consultant role then as well after this season. Like, he could still very much end up coaching and man- managing Man United, but it's just down to him to make everything work. It's like, you do get, like... F- like, football is a bit, of, a bit of a big deal. Like, he needs coaches. He needs help. Like he's not just an easy an easy fix. Like it, it, he brings an entire culture with him, you know. In the, but in the same way, as you said, Neil, any coach would do that now. Like if you're buying, if you're signing a coach, you're signing their entire backroom staff. They have everything nailed down from the fucking like from the assistant manager to the kit man to the nutritionist to the club doctor. You know, throw in fucking coach. Like they all have it in. They all yeah. have it nailed down. Like it's it's just mental. Like when you're saying like I. Oh, it, it's just crazy. I don't know what they're doing. They don't, mm. they don't know what they're doing. They're just like, how is this not working? We're spending all this money. <laughs> That's oh, exactly what are you it. Doing? Like, That's exactly it. They're looking at thinking like, well, hang on, Man City signed Greedus for 100 million. We can spend 100 million. Oh, why is that not working? Data analysis. Oh, well, accordingly on social media, we're doing very well. <laughs> well, I don't see any problem here. <laughs> crazy shit. Like Our brand just... is strong, Neil. Our brand is strong. Yeah, like, <laughs> fuck, man. I just... It's crazy. Um, and I think it... Right, they're, they're probably not going to be as much of a dumpster fire as they have been recently now. Mm. I've, you know, Ranganik's a bit too good to yes. let the slide continue. Wow, I mean, like, they've dug themselves into a fucking real big hole. Mm. And... You know, Paris Saint Germain, they don't like selling, they don't like selling when they don't want to. They don't like getting rid of people when they don't want to, hence why they turn down fucking an ungodly amount of cash for Mbappe, despite the fact they're gonna lose him for nothing. Nothing, yeah. They're not it's gonna the like, the 
Yeah, like <laughs> like the, the, the director Leonardo has come out and said, "Is like, nope, we've not contacted Zidane at all to replace Pochettino because Pochettino is not fucking going anywhere." <laughs> well, he's so, like, he, like, like Pochettino is a fucking is a is a former PSG player. Like he won league like league titles and cups with him in the past. I think he won even a UEFA cup at the time. Hmm. So like. Like he he isn't gonna go anywhere. So I think a lot of the talk that's going on about him leaving, I think, is a bit foolish. Now, again, it's probably because he is he does have three massive egos to manage. But if he does manage it, then a team can work. The difference is that, like, again, if it like you might think that managing those three players is easy, it's not because with those three players comes like a massive imbalance with the rest of them. So it's trying to get trying to get like shared all over the rest of the team that's there. You know, there's still a back four that has to play. There's still a front, a midfield three you have to manage as well. You know, and they're, and they're very thin in those areas. So the reason why PSG are struggling because their squad planning is so abhorrently terrible. Like it's a very FIFA team. It's like, oh yeah, well these players are never never injured. We'll just play our best team forever and ever. And then like Pochettino's going, no, you idiots. I need I need numbers. I need squads, <laughs> not just a, a, a fourteen. What what? Who the fuck is Chipo Moteng? Get him out. <laughs> He's still a no. thing. <laughs> Why? He's at Munich now? What the fuck? <laughs> but like that's the thing though. It's it's just it's just stuff like that is so baffling because coming from someone like Liverpool where you can see the process and you can see the system and, and the logic in it. When you see then an actual like a similarly sized club like Manchester United, it's not bigger, let's be fair, commercially they're bigger. We're running their their club in such a alien fashion. It's just really amusing to me, you know, because how if Liverpool were doing that, like obviously it'd be the same thing, but like they'd be just jumping through like former players like every six months, every nine months. And the gas thing is like they they're not too far away from each other in terms of the Glaciers being like like entrepreneurs themselves. FSG are entrepreneurs as well, but just they are in sports. Like they have like people on staff that are able to run football clubs. That's how they have someone like Michael Edwards running the hell. And when he gets replaced next season, it's his assistant that's taken over. There's a, there's, there's a, a hierarchy. There is a progression. With Manchester United, it's a case of like, that's not working. Try again. Just just more money. Just sign them. Sign all the people. Just do it. Just keep keep fucking lumping them through. You know, and it, it's, it's clearly not going to work. Um, but... Uh, I suppose we'd be, be kind of remiss if we didn't talk about the rest of the league. I'm not going to go through the league table because not much was changed last season, last uh, last week. But I didn't want to actually spare a thought, Neil, for the supposed relegation battle that we have. Because um, we haven't talked talked about the bottom uh, teams that much. Uh, and seeing that there has been a lot of movement down there recently, uh, I thought I'd give you a little discussion about how it's looking. So from 20th to 11th, um, here's how it looks. Newcastle are currently bottom, and they have yet to win a game this season, and maybe they will tomorrow against Arsenal. We shall see. Eddie Howe, <laughs> Toonvolution. I, I'm going to go with Toonvolution, Neil. I think that's, that sounds better. Yeah? yeah I don't think any of them sound good, but that's the least worst. I think so, yeah. The least worst. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, so, yes, they're bottom at the minute, so obviously new manager there. North City winning their second game. Uh, of the season, thanks to Dean, with uh, Dean Smith at the helm. So they're obviously uh, perhaps on the ascendancy. Burnley are there uh, on nine points. They've only won, won the season. Leeds, however, are 17th and um, struggling, has to be said. A lot of injuries in the squads, uh, can't get the rhythm going. And then you have a gaggle of teams then very close together. So Watford and Aston Villa both on 13, uh, as are Brentford. Uh, you have Southampton down on 14, Leicester and Everton on 15. Um, and like again, they're not they're they aren't like completely like uh 
get uh, dejected from the league either. Palace are like in tenth and one point behind, one point ahead of them. So it was a very like ludicrous midfield where if results kind of went away against Manchester United, they'd be thirteenth next week. You know, it, it, it's just a strange. It's a strange. It's a very strange start to the league. But um, I value your opinion on like some of the teams you're surprised by this 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 um this season, Neil, because. There are a few names there I wasn't expecting to see so far down the league. Surprised by Leeds, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I'd say, is it just as simple as it kind of like they've just been found out? Am I trying to to overcomplicate? Am I trying to overcomplicate just them being found out? Because I don't Mm. like saying that about them. No. I don't know for what reason, though, to be honest with you. But I I just don't think it's that simple. Maybe it is that simple. I'm just trying to overthink it. They have is had just... injuries in the squad. Like they, they haven't had Rafinha for that much of the season. Bamford's been out quite a lot. Um, Calvin Phillips was probably the biggest one, biggest casualty in that sense, where he was out for a start of the season. And what, what I've learned from watching Leeds is that Calvin, if a Calvin Phillips, Phillips isn't in the midfield, then there is no midfield. You know, because like, they don't have any backup. They don't have a plan B when he's out, when he's off. And at least with Bamford, you do have like strikers there. But now, like they have no strikers, so they're, they at the Spurs game they they feel that Joe Gellhart, who they have really high hopes for, and he, he looks like a very tidy player, but he's seventeen. You know, and and like Bielsa's like fixation seventeen with, like, and not got much of a midfield behind them. Exactly. So he's he's chasing like lost balls for the entire game. And granted, Leeds did take the lead against Spurs, but again. Spurs has their own issues at the moment, which you'll get into. Um, but yeah, it, it's a weird one. I don't know if they're in trouble or not. It's very hard to tell. But like, especially when you do look at the bottom half of the table, and a lot of it is now very form oriented in a sense where if you do like like change your manager at the right time, it does seem to have a new manager bounce. But how long does that bounce last for? Last for? Is it enough to keep you in the league? That, those are kind of like very philosophical questions. Um, but yeah, Leeds is a, such a stranger because they've only scored like 12 goals a season, but you can argue that's because they didn't have their such short of options. Like I said, no Rafinha, no Bamford, no Rodrigo, no Calvin Phillips. And, you know, it, it is a curious one. I don't know if they're going to be 17th by the end of the season either. Like, I do feel that once they, if they do get in their groove, they'll come back up. But and if they don't, then they are kind of in trouble. So I was about to say, do you want to start hitting that fucking groove sharpish? You know, yeah. teams around them are doing it. Like Palace are kicking off. Pa- know, Palace are safe. Like you, you can already, you can kind of tell from this point, unless there is a, a, a calamity injury wise, they're not going to be in danger. You know, like you could you could reasonably say everyone from say Everton up are safe. You know, and um, which is very bizarre to say because Leicester is in that cohort you could say could get relegated, and um, because there's just, there's there's something wrong with the Leicester team, and I can't put my finger on it. I was watching some of the Chelsea game yes uh, last week, and tactically they look so fucking wrong, you know. <laughs> Which is bizarre because like last season they were great, they were like very compact, very fast, very efficient, but they switched like a back three this season, and it really doesn't suit them. Like I don't get the logic, I don't get the, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to achieve, and it's not as if they have like the wrong personnel in the squad, like they recruited wrong. Sumari is 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 okay, but he's all he's like positionally all over the shop and, and Daka isn't getting the games to kind of show his worth so like what's the investigator is a, is a backup centre back unfortunately so I don't know what the problem is with Leicester and um, Southampton is another one as well where like 
do they have the quality to stay up? Can they get enough wins to 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 make it happen? If the, all the teams like behind them do start racking up wins, can they keep up? You know, that's that's another one I kind of look at now. Um, and like let's be fair, they're 13 at the moment, but they've only won three this season. That's how bottom heavy this league is this season. Is that, is that yeah. the right term to use? It's just so crazy as well. Like, yeah. Uh, same, you've got teams like Villa as well, and they're scrapping in, they're mixing shit up. Um, mm. Villa just got dealt a bit of a body blow there, uh, fucking just a few hours ago when it was reported that, um, Carney, Chuck and Waker isn't going to sign a new deal with them. Oh, they have yes. a high hopes on him. Yeah, he's turned down a new contract. Mm. And so that's pretty much most of the league on alerts. <laughs> yep. Uh, everybody wants this motherfucker. Like, yeah. everybody wants him. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, he is leaving. Hmm. So but that's gonna be- I, I do feel I do have somewhat confidence in Villa being able to stay up because you can kind of tell. Like I think, like again, whatever they were doing tactically was wrong, but whatever system Jared has had in the uh, in the game in the game his first game back against Brighton, that worked. That did that did physically work because they were very attacking. They were very aggressive, and it's it seemed to suit the players that were there. So I think that's that's I'm happy to say they're okay. Brentford's gonna be a weird one because well, I think the Brentford team are really really good. The problem is is that their first choice keeper is out until February. And like Christmas is coming up, lads. Christmas can be a fucking cruel month if you're if you've got injuries and, and, and players missing in the squads. So they're intriguing watch as well. Watford, you can never tell. Like it depends on the fucking seasons, um, what like kind of team you get there. And can you see the likes of Newcastle making up that ground? It's like five points away from Leeds now. So it's a, it's a lot of ground to make up. So well, it depends. It's, all, it's all about like it's all about racking up the win. And the thing is racking up the wins from the teams around you. I think the bad thing about Brentford's losses isn't mm. that they're, they're not losing to top team to the teams at the top end of the table, like say fucking Norwich and Newcastle, like mm. uh, Newcastle have lost to everybody, uh, almost everybody. <laughs> but what I mean is like Brentford have lost to like Norwich, like Norwich yeah. have beaten them. So that's six points. That's pretty much a six pointer because Norwich need them. You know, Norwich get another win. They're pretty much no, they won't be out, but they'll be no, level with Leeds on you know points. So it's all about picking up wins from the teams around you rather yeah. than teams above. And I think Brentford are losing to the teams around them, and that's just not good. That's not that's not sustainable. Mm. But uh, to be honest, I don't think they'll go down. I don't think Villa will go down either. I think Gerard's definitely gonna Gerard's gonna write that ship really well. I think he's a better coach than a lot of people give him credit for. Mm. I think he's gone in at the right level for Villa. Like he's not I think gone so in too. I think that is his level at the minute, I think. Yeah. A solid mid-table like Premier League team, viable for a cup run maybe, you know, I think that's I think that is his level. I, I agree on that. Is there any clubs you would earmark to definitely be going down? Is anyone is there any clubs really screaming at you saying that they're fucked? Oh I say Norwich are fucked. Mm. Um Burnley as well. I'd say Norwich and Burnley. Um, yeah, I, I, I would have tacked in Newcastle as well there because obviously they've not won a game. But it'd be interesting to see how how and it'll be interesting to see how to get through the Christmas to the, the yes. winter transfer, the January transfer. So I've not, you know, I've kind of put a pin in 
judging where they are, depending on what they do in January, because as we know, a good January can really fucking, you know, that's still only, you've still got half a season. Yeah. But I think Norwich are absolutely fucking boned. They've got a goal difference of minus 20. They're just shipping goals left, right and centre. Yeah, they've yeah. won their last two games. Fantastic. The only two games that they've won. But they've lost eight, um, mm. which is the most in the league. Uh, they're just like, fuck me. Like, they're just they're just hemorrhaging goals. They're not stopping any. They're not scoring any. I don't see where this is coming from. I think those last two wins now are fucking blips against a pretty terrible Burnford and a pretty fucking terrible Southampton. That was a team I wanted to mention in this. Yeah. Um, now again, this is going to be famous last words because we're playing them tomorrow, and uh, so this could go this could backfire horribly on me. But what I mean, when I'm thinking about this myself, I'm trying to think of like relative squad strength. You know, like like what what to me are the three weakest teams in the league right now? Mm-hmm. Watford, I think, are quite a poor side, but they're playing really good football, and. The gas thing is, since Ranieri's come in, he's put all of his eggs into the Josh King basket. And he's clicked things really well at Watford because he's playing other strikers in and he's playing other midfielders in and the whole system is working really well. Now, granted, I think they're still going to ship goals left, right, centre against bigger teams. But if they do win enough games around them, as you said, Neil, I think that would be enough. So maybe they might survive. Mm. Uh, Burnley, it's always hard to say. I think if they do... If they're, if they're afraid of, of losing Tarkovsky in the winter to the likes of Newcastle, then I think they would go down because Tarkovsky is such a talisman in that midfield. And I don't think Nathan Collins is that ready replacement yet. I think he'd need another year to, to settle himself in and, and show how good he is. Um, and even then, they'd have to probably replace like Tarkovsky full stop with another centre-back anyway. And again, is Nick Pope on the market for Newcastle? Who knows? It's, it's always hard to say. Quick get a double deal. Um, so I don't know about New- about Burnley. Um, I would be kind of agreeing with you on New- on Norwich. I think they are the week by far the weakest squad in the in the league. So I think they will be going down. But Southampton, I think, is going to be the surprise. I feel like that if the to- if the if the going does get tough, I would I can ex- I can expect Brentford, Villa, Leeds, and Newcastle to overtake Southampton, which would mean then potentially, you know, they're going to come down and they're going to be dragged into that relegation scrap. I think it's yeah. it's surprising already they've accrued so many points as they have. When you look at the fact 11 goals scored this season and they've managed to get three wins out of that. Um, and yeah, I, I get, again, they're missing games quite a lot. I think it was all that I was saying. But defence-wise, like, again, they're, they're just doing really well because they're keeping matches really tight. But if the floodgates do open, which they do every season for Southampton, unfortunately, um, that could be really bad especially considering the, the, the really good teams around them right now, you know? So I'm not sure about Southampton myself. Um, I would also be slightly worried about Leeds if they don't get, get a hang, get a grip onto, onto the squad they have. Yeah. This is where, this is at, at a point where like, okay, granted you, you have committed, you've committed to like three or four key players like we mentioned already, but when you don't have ready-made replacements, and you're hoping that like some 17 year old prodigies will do the job for you, that's when this, this suffers because you do actually need a good lieutenant there to, to come in and replace him. Like, um, what is the player's name? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Pascal Strike is, is the guy that seems to come in whenever Phillips is injured. Now, Strike is a centre-back, but he plays he can play number six as well. He's not a number six. And anyone who says otherwise is a fucking liar. He's not a number six. He's a terrible number six. And the trouble is that 
as I said, when Phillips is injured, he comes in, there is no plan B. That is the actual, like, you know, the corrective action. It's not working. And they need to get better replacements for it. So, again, I think Leeds might be might be stuck there for a while. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you in the sense where Norwich are definitely, definitely done. Burnley, I think, can't, might be struggling as well just because of the quality around them. And I think Southampton are going to get dragged in, really. Um, but, again, I wouldn't be surprised if the likes of an Everton and Leicester get, are getting dragged in like they are now. Like one win for Leeds and they're in, the, they're, they're in fighting for 17th, you know? So I think it's going to be interesting. Um, while we're actually on this conversation, what's your, probably your biggest surprise out of the league so far? Um, positive surprise because I think we all said negative we probably say United yeah. <laughs> my positive surprise is Palace I did, genuinely did not yeah. expect Vieira to kick it off like this he's got that team playing really fucking well mm. um, I think he surprised a lot of people like I really really do and yeah I'm happy like I'm happy I'm really delighted for him and uh, yeah I'd fucking like He's just been it's just been great. The team's more yeah. solid, they're more compact. He's got Zaha playing really well. He's got goals out of Benteki. Benteki's already equaled his best ever season. Mm. Um so fuck yeah. That he's got yeah. them running, he's got them harassing harassing the fuck out of people. They're just they're really awkward, bastardly, horrible team to play against. And that's really what you've kind of want if you're in that mid-table team. You want people dreading coming yeah. to your fucking home ground and having you fucking snap their heels all the time. And it's, it's fucking, br- I, it's great to see. It's really, really good. I always wanted to see. It's, it, it is definitely what you expect of a Vieira team. Like it's more of a case of they do play really good football, but they're so hard to get past is what I would say. I think that's the kind of the, the takeaway of their team. And it actually does reflect it in the actual, like the record so far, because they've only lost two games this season. Yeah, why the top half? Like, I mean, they, they've okay, seven draws, fair enough. But the two losses, like that, that's the same level of losses as Man City. You know, only Liverpool and Chelsea have, have lost let, like less this season, and they're championship contenders. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's and that says a lot. Like, you know, when you look at someone like say Spurs or, or maybe Wolves, who are sixth at the moment, which is even mad to say as well, and they're a, such a, a win loss team because of their record. But Palace, as you said, are niggly. They they will take points off teams. You know, which is why, like, when they go up against someone like Chelsea, well, I think they've already uh, faced Chelsea this season, but they, they they scored a win against Man City. You know, they they will eventually beat Man City two 0 Yeah, exactly. And um, like, they're going to be one of those teams. They're going to be one of those sleeper teams that you don't want to face. And there's a few of them that are in there. Like, I mean, Brighton already took points off us. West Ham famously beat us three two, and and they're challenging for the Champions League and are, let's be fair, kind of in pole position right now to get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's so it's so weird. Like it's a, a very weird league this season. Um, yeah, it's it's a funny one. But um, I suppose my surprise would probably be Brighton, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Although they're starting, to, they're starting to make a mockery now of my kind of pick there because I remember watching them at the start of the season. I think they were up against Watford or something. And just the football they were playing was so, was so good, so silky. And... Um, like I, I don't typically like back threes personally. I, I don't know what it is about like extra defenders that makes me feel so uncomfortable. You know, it's like it's, it's like giving me like fucking Gareth Southgate flashbacks of how he thinks that's good. It's like ah, you fucking middle manager bastard. Well, Graham Potter makes it work because it's a moving back three. It's fluid. It makes sense because you're giving yourself an extra man in defense and in an attack. It all clicks it together. You know, so I think they're like they 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 haven't won a game in the last six, unfortunately, but. The start of the season was really, really good. I think once I kind of pick it up again, I think they'll be fine. Um, 
but definitely a good a good a good side and like well well good enough to to stay in the league like um going by the record you probably see wolves are a surprise package as well but like it's weird where they like they've won six games but they've like only scored and conceded 12 it's a it's a weird fucking record to have it's like it's like there, there was like six one nil wins essentially you know <laughs> very bizarre um yeah but I, and like i said that could be just down to the relative quality of, of those around them as well like who knew like a good team like wolves being told to attack more oh fuck it they'll say if we don't mind if we do like you know they're delighted for that and um, yeah, so it's it, it's still a it's still well poised because we're because we're talking, next podcast we do will just be before the Christmas break the Christmas period. So we might get a very good idea of where everyone is at now because we'll have Conte and Ragnick settled in. We'll see how like the likes of Gerard and Howard doing with their squad and their team. So um who knows, we might even get another second by that point. Because I think there's a few kind of on the cusp at the moment. And um, looking yeah. at you, Everton, looking at you, Leicester, and um, we'll see how that goes. And um, well, we have this time, Neil. I did want to jump into the championship to let you know what's happening there because it's a very odd championship again uh, this season. Um, so I, I'll get to the, the banter cases momentarily, but uh, don't, be ash- don't be surprised or shocked if you see Fulham and Bournemouth in the Premier League next season because both teams uh, have a nine-point lead over the rest of the league. <laughs> it is a two-horse race. And... Um, and both of them are playing absolutely superbly. Uh, Fulham in particular have been great. Like they, they, they shouldn't have been relegated last season, really. Um, if, if they had not been going completely tonto with the loan signings and like playing them over their regular players, this wouldn't have been an issue. But uh, they have Marco Silva in, who was playing like great expansive attack of football, as you'd expect. Mitrovic like netting the goals in again. Mitrovic is such a frustrating player because you know, like mince me to the championship and then go missing in the Premier League, you know. But well, what, what Fulham is really like making a difference here is actually using their youth system again. Um, you mentioned, I think, before we started recording, Brian Sessignon being one of the great kind of out there products. Yeah. So they have one or two now that are doing the same thing. And one of them is uh, Fabio Carvalho, or Cavallo, sorry, who is uh, English, actually, but he's Portuguese parents. Uh, and he's netting goals left, right, and centre as well. He's, he's playing like a kind of like a second striker to Mitrovic. So he kind of cleans up the chances he doesn't take. Uh, and they're playing absolutely superbly. Um, I have to say, like, um, and Bournemouth, Scott Parker's Bournemouth, I should say, um, again, a very solid team, very experienced. They picked up all like the the off cuts from the Premier League. They've got Scott Dan on the books, Jack Wilshere, all this sort of stuff, and um, very experienced outfit and and dogged. They're, they're a very dogged team. And um, they've lost a few games now, but they had gone like seventeen games unbeaten in the Championship prior to this, so they were they were looking pretty really good. And the playoffs is a weird one because. All the usual suspects you think are in the players are not there. And um, okay, West Brom, fair enough. They they they, sh- they should be there. They should be third place, right? But you might be thinking, where's Sheffield United? You know, shouldn't they be competing? No, they're sixteenth, and Jesus. they've been terrible this season. Uh, Bristol, who were you know there a couple of years ago? No, nope, they're eighteenth. Nigel Pearson is throwing shoes at their own players. And Barnsley, right? Barnsley, you remember they were there. They're going. They they most like 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 physical team in Europe, you know, the team that like were outworking everyone in the championship, they're second bottom. Jesus. They are like six points away from safety. Um, and it's solely because their manager went to um, manage uh, Red Bull Salzburg when Jesse March took the leadership job. So he's got, so that the person they got in was a complete spoofer, completely fucked it up. And he, he's second bottom. Um, Cardiff City, you know, Mick McCarthy got them into the playoffs last season. Where are they? 20th. 
Um, Reading, where were they last season? Uh, oh, yeah, they were fighting for the playoffs and then they missed out narrowly. Where are you now? 21st. And they have a points deduction now as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a bizarre team. It's a, bar, it's, it's a bizarre league, I should say. Because currently in the playoffs are some like, you know, the, uh, oh, yeah, them of, the, of English football. QPR are fourth in the championship. Coventry City, who like, have been homeless for several years, only now back in the Rico Arena, are now fifth, one of the best performers in the league. Excellent. Stoke City, um, who, who, you, who you'll always remember as an Arsenal fan. Six. Yeah. yeah. And Blackburn in the conversation as well. They're a point out there. So like there, there's some like miss like good nostalgia themes in there looking to get into the playoffs. Now, again, it's a long league, like 19 games only, but you're looking at those two top two to get through. But let's talk about the banter, banter teams. And um, I mentioned Reading. So they got a point deduction for financial irregularities in that they kept like overspending and like overspending and, and, and overspending. And uh, what's this here? Oh yeah. Overspending as well. Yeah. They did that. They did that too. So they got docked six points. <laughs> so they're, uh, they're just teaching over the relegation zone, but then we couldn't end this conversation without talking about Derby. Oh, um, they're on one point, aren't they? Yeah. One point after a record of four wins and 10 draws, because they're uh, people who run the club are fucking idiots. <laughs> um, complete assholes and are fleecing the place for what it's worth it's actually so bad that there has been rumours that Mike Ashley might take over Derby County from its current owner Jesus yeah uh, frying can fire <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, what, that's what's coming across to me um, but yeah that's, that's, that's the kind of level we're talking about here but again the championship is a weird Scott is a, is a, is a very weird like league in its own right and um, I suppose like if you're looking for any teams to keep an eye on, you probably say um Nottingham Forest, actually, because you would have expected Chris Hewton being the kind of promotion specialist he is to immediately like click these teams back in the gear. No, it hasn't happened. Like he, he got sacked very early on because he were bottom of the of the league for, for some time. Um and uh, and yeah, he, he, he got sacked and uh, he got he got replaced. Um, by uh, Steve Cooper, the former um, Swansea manager, and they've been playing great open football. Um, and another one, actually, I'll mention here as well, Middlesbrough, who were uh, managed by the uh, perennially old Neil Warnock, who I think has been old since time started. Um, and he was Chris old Wilder, when the earth was young. Indeed he was. <laughs> um, but now Chris Wilder is in charge there, the former Sheffield United boss. So isn't Warnock supposedly going back to Sheffield, isn't he? Allegedly so, yes. But that's when that but then Paul Hickenbottom took the job. So um, he was rumored, but yes, I think uh, I think Sheffield dodged that particularly old fleshy bullet. Um <laughs> Yeah, the look in your face says it all there. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's 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 where the championship is now. So I thought I thought I'd drop in and just let you know how it's getting on. So um, you've got you've got two um, Scott Parker teams on the way to the Premier League, and uh, I guess QPR could be number three. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it should be interesting to say. Um, Neil, shall we talk about the Champions League? Um, yes. Seeing that we uh, we are nearly uh, finished the group stages, um, there are a few that are well settled by now, but some of them aren't. So we'll we'll go through them. Um, group A is settled, uh, more or less. PS, PSG are going to be second. Man City are going to be first. Uh, in what has been like a tedious exercise in who has the shiniest um, sword. 
<laughs> so um yeah like it's I, I, I don't know what it was about the Champions League but I had absolutely no intention of watching PSG Man City I don't know what it is it's the case like these are two of the best teams playing the best football with the best players why do I care why do I not care about either of them <laughs> you know way. it's a very strange kind of feeling but um which yeah PSG have not been great Champions League wise um and again the conversation will always be about oh it's the French League they're they're not like challenged whatever it is but um, yeah, they've, they've been a, a bit of a meh team so far, which is obviously clearly because Pochettino was leaving in the summer for Man United and he's just fun the game. Blah, <laughs> yes, blah, blah. You understand, the lads. You understand the game. Um, but yeah, like Man City have been fine in the Champions League. They've just been okay. They've done enough, you know? Um, especially when PSG have been that average. Uh, and Leipzig and, and Club Bruges have taken points off each other. And... Um, I'm a personally a big fan of Leipzig's uh, goal difference, which is zero. 13 scored, 13 conceded. <laughs> it's very German and efficient. Ruthless. I loved it. I love it. Um, and speaking of uh, efficient, uh, Group B, um, which was meant to be the group of death, lads, just to let you know, right? Yeah, we, we this was agree. actually meant to be the group of death with Atletico yeah. Madrid, AC Milan, Porto and Liverpool. And Atletico Madrid are bottom of the group. It'll be a great goal difference. Fuck me, man. You'd have gotten some odds on that. You would have gotten life-changing odds on that. There is Atletico Madrid might just get might not might actually miss out on the Europa League. They might just get booted out all thing altogether. Yeah, it's entirely possible because like the the fixtures play out as like we will travel to the San Siro. So San so AC Milan are fighting for the chance to get into the 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 Champions League the the next round, whereas the other match is understandably Porto versus Atletico. Basically, the winner wins. The winner yeah. gets through to the next round, you know. And again, the gas thing is like, if, even if Atletico win, if AC Milan win by a better result, then they don't go through. They get the Europa League. Mm-hmm. So, like, it is a case of like, literally, it could be like winner takes all, but then also winner also loses. <laughs> <laughs> the result, everybody loses. Yay! It's so bizarre. It's such a bizarre thing. And um, and yeah, like like, I'll truth be told, I didn't think this group would be that easy for Liverpool. But they just like our best like performances have come in Europe, you know. Like um, our probably our worst game was probably the the first one, the, the match against AC Milan. We switched off for ten minutes and they equalised. Um, but since then we've been absolutely like superb. Like we tore Porto apart uh, at their home stadium, beat Atletico twice, which was great because you know Diego Simeone can literally suck my balls. Um, <laughs> and then and then a, a, like a like the most routine win against Porto with playing like you know youth players and that uh, like you know Divock Origi like we brought Divock Origi as a joke it was like hey remember this guy remember this guy come on wave to the crowds you know it's like it's like a fucking Masters League that's bringing them back on for the crack like um, but every AC Milan like they were they were definitely the blue chip team in this group because they had such a great young young kind of, kind of contingent uh, like I said blue chip players all across the pitch and they're only going to get better the more they get into the Champions League, in a sense. Um, and they haven't even had Zlatan this season either, which is mad. Yeah. You know, they have not, not have been able to tactically deploy him. So, like, this is a team that, without their best player, in that sense, um, like, beaten Atletico Madrid. And you'd argue, really, AC Milan probably should be further up the group because the last match they had with Atletico, like, they should have won, but it was, a, like, the most bullshit of VAR decisions, like, denied them that. So... Um, oh, didn't they see yeah. they beat Atletico 1-0 yes they, uh, last week but I'm talking about the, the return fixture oh right sorry, sorry yeah yeah 
So, like, like again, Atletico could be a deeper shit. And the other thing is, Atletico have not been a bad side either. They just haven't won enough games. This has been the nature of this of this group. They've drawn against Porto, and Porto are like a complete shithouse team in their own rights. So it's like, what happens when two like unpleasant entities clash? You know, kind of way. Nil all. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Fucking nothing happens. But like, Atletico, Atletico haven't been doing that well in the league either. They're sitting fourth. Simeone yeah. keeps changing tack and it's not suiting the team. Mm. Um, and it was just really unfortunate for them because this, I'm like, they could have really gone, they could have gotten another title with Barcelona and Real kind of, well, I'm like, Real are now top mm. of the league, top of La Liga. But they aren't a force that they weren't. They're spent and fucking, yeah. you know, Barcelona are garbage. So all they really have to do is make sure to get ahead of like teams like fucking Sevilla. Mm. Um, I'm like, Sociedad, Real Sociedad are second in the Liga. Yeah. They're one point off uh, Madrid. Sevilla are third. They're 29. It literally go 30, 29, 28. Then Atletico on 26. I'm fucking in fifth place at Betis. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Betis, that was like, that's managed by Pellegrini, I think. Yeah. I love Pellegrini, yeah. Um, I think so. I could be wrong about that. So it's um, fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, it's just, Simeone's really lost the plot this season. Well, that's the, the he's starting to lose the plot. And just like, no, nah, we don't. Like he might not fully know how to write this ship. He might not fully know what he's doing. Really, it's mm. just crazy. Just keep changing tack, and it's, none of it's working. It, it, it did say a lot because, like, again, last season, like Atletico were not great either. But it was down to the fact that no one else was good either. You know, like, like the, it came, like it came too soon for for Mr. Dan to to say the shit for Real. And um, Barca obviously were a disaster, and just like no one, Villarreal was the closest league-wise to, to, to contending. But again, they were also fighting the Europa League on a different front, and like Sevilla, likewise. Um, yeah, like it's um, it goes without saying, like the Spanish league is in dire straits when the, the top two are in such great struggle like that. But then when you also see like Atletico, who are supposed to be the kind of great alternative that also really struggling with their squads, um, which they've seen a long time coming, by the way, because they had like like 40 year olds in the squad for a long time and never replaced them. And now suddenly they have to replace like make wholesale changes in one season. What the fuck were you expecting? Why did you sign Griezmann back? You need defenders, you idiot. <laughs> why do you, why do you teams keep doing this? Um, but yeah, like I said, it group B definitely is the most intriguing one from a neutral's point of view, because you have a cracker match in Milan, Liverpool to look forward to, but then also you might be able to laugh at Atletico Madrid losing which is just chef's kiss. It actually would be great justice um, for football if Milan beat Liverpool and they get second and then Porto and Letico Madrid have to scrap for Europa League. That would be, oh, that would be great. I'd love that. I'd uh, love be getting that. pinged Salt Bay memes off of you. Absolutely. Um, let's move on to the rest of the groups then. So uh, again, another very fucking ruthless team in the groups has been Ajax. Um, Sebastian Haller, I think he's on nine goals in the group stages, which is ludicrous, considering West Ham. Um, <laughs> like the one, the one Moisey got wrong. You know, fucking uh, absolutely got wrong, yeah. Um, he's been unstoppable. Like, again, a, 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 a player who suits the system they play. Like, a big target man for players running around, crossing balls into him. Who knew that would work? <laughs> okay, mystery to us all. Um but the bigger shock is that Dortmund's already out of the, Europa, yep. of the Champions League. Yeah. Dumped out by Sporting Lisbon. Uh, mm. Yeah, crazy, eh? Uh, yeah, there was like, what, 
three one. They lost in the last game. They were down to ten men. Uh, yes. So like, ah, just just fucking crazy. Like, it, it does actually illustrate for Dortmund the difference that Holland makes to him, though, isn't it? Once yeah. he's out of squad, like they they can't compete on a, in a broader sense. Like, uh, I know they have good strikers in reserve, but like Holland is a is a is a different beast altogether. Like, yeah, he's just yeah. nuts. Like, it's crazy. Mm. And um, Group D is all settled as well. Uh, Madrid and Inter are going through. They might switch around, but I don't think it's going to happen. Shakhtar are gone completely, which is a bit of a surprise, because um, Sheriff Tiraspol are going to go to the Europa League as well. Yep. Courtesy of their heroic win against fucking Madrid at the Bernabeu. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty nuts. Um, as well as you probably argued, the best performing team in the group stage was Munich, just going by goal difference and the like. Um They've they trounced Barcelona twice in this group, and you can tell from the goal difference. And it's not done and dusted for Barca either because they faced Munich in the last game, whereas Benfica uh, faced Kiev. So it is entirely possible Barca are going to go into Europa League. If anything, I'd say it's most likely, Um, which is going to be a shocker to say. So, like Benfica into into the last 16 in Barca Europa League. Mm -hmm. And if that's to be honest, that's probably Barca's level in this moment in time. They're just not a Champions League squad at the minute. No. The garbage. It's crazy. It's crazy to think. Um, so, yeah. And Dinamo Kiev, fair play, lads. You were there. Um... <laughs> it's, funny that Bayern, it's funny that Bayern in that group are the only team with a positive goal difference. Everybody else is like minus four. They've trounced everyone. Like, every game has been like a three or four nil win. Like, they've absolutely like steamrolled through teams. But again... Maybe people are not making a fuss of them right now because they're kind of being like, like argued as flat track bullies. Even though it's weird to say about Barcelona, but you can say that maybe about Benfica and Kiev. They're playing open football themselves, and Bayern are going like, "Ah, that's nice, goal, 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 goal." Mm. Well, again, I I wouldn't be surprised if they're seeing. Well, they didn't have as much. They didn't have it there all their way in the last game when they they only beat Kiev two one. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um. And like I said, but it, it, it point, through anyway. They're like, yeah, the match literally awesome. turned into a formality. Like the next two games are going to be like Liverpool, so it's going to be dead rubbers. It's like, pff, yeah. fuck it, feel the reserves. Like you know, we don't want Lewandowski injured. That's true. Very, very true indeed. And um, and here's the thing with that. Like like Munich are. I think Munich should be based on form, seen as the favourites. But like Liverpool are seen as that as well. So I think it could solely because it's Nagelsmann versus Klopp, and I think it's like that kind of proven versus unproven quantity. And I don't, I'm not putting the car before the horse here, but there is a comparison between the two teams. Like, I don't think Nagelsmann has actually ever beaten Klopp in a match, mm. which is kind of a, an interesting little kind of like foible if they do ever come, if ever meet in the, uh, in the group stages. Because um, I think, yes, no, we had them in the, we had them in the round of 16 last, last season, Leipzig. And somehow Nat Phillips was able to. Sorry, I just had to stop myself there. Thing, for a second. Yeah, I, I forgot that Nat Phillips actually played the Champions League for his last season. It was a. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Was a minute there. Right, I'm good. I'm fine. Fine. So, uh, Group F then. Um, <laughs> Man United are true. Um, Villarreal and Atalanta are doing battle uh, for uh, second place. Young boys can take. Technically, get second, but then um, the head-to-head and the goal difference will will prevent them from getting it. So, and um, it is just a straight fight between Villarreal and Atlanta next week for for whoever gets round of sixteen, because United are fighting young boys, um, and they're also playing young boys as well. And um, 
Look, I'm not going to lie. Like, Man United do not deserve to get out of this group. I have watched their matches. The fact that they got three wins out of it is fucking daylight robbery on at least twice, two of those matches, if not all three. Because, like, I think we're all three matches, all thanks to Ronaldo late winners. Pretty much. I think it was something like that. Something like, I don't think, maybe not all, maybe like two of them or something. Two of them, I think it was, yeah. um, It was ridiculous. Like, it was just a crazy amount. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's mad seeing them top a Champions League group. And they've been playing absolute dog shit. Pure, pure dog shit football. Yeah, yeah, they don't deserve it. It's been crazy. And, and the last thing is, like, if Villarreal had better finishers and Atalanta had better finishers, this wouldn't be a problem. But, like, these are, those are so, those are the two so pure, like, footballing teams that they just wanted to, like, just beat United by XG alone. You know, and it's just like, yeah, it's, it, Ronaldo was the difference in that group. If anything, you'd probably say Ronaldo has scored more points than Man United in this group. <laughs> And that's you know, the way he likes it. And that's the way he likes it. Anyway, um, and Group G though. Now Group now I'll I'll, I'll say I'll leave Group G to last because that's spicy. Group H is done. Chelsea, you've, you've are going through. It's just based on who goes first basically. And uh, you, Chelsea has the they both have a shared like head to head um record as well. So it's literally just a pick them of who gets uh, second seed. So um, I'd be nice if if you may go first because then I would rather not have them in the round of sixteen. But they've been pretty bad as well, Neil, to be fair. They have not been a force. Relatively no, speaking, no, no, no. Really. UV have been terrible. I'm like, yeah. sure, the last, the last game was get them getting absolutely whomped by Chelsea 4-0. 4-0, yeah. So, um, perhaps a good time to face them, maybe? Who knows? Yeah, so. maybe. I mean, it's just, they seem to be coming, a, a wee bit coming apart, it seems, there. Mm. Um, although Chelsea are a different force from anything they're going to play in Serie A. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, they're they're eighth in Syria. <laughs> eighth, eighth, yeah. That's it's fucking crazy, you know. It's a good thing Allegri's in charge, or else he would have been fired of a cannon, like into a near brick wall. Like they didn't, yeah, they'd have but fucking they... done him properly. But uh, yeah, Syria's really, really fucking tight. I mean, like, there's two teams on thirty-two points at the top of the league. That's mm. Napoli and AC Milan. Yeah, uh, with Inter and Atalanta making up that top four, Roma and Lazio in fifth and sixth, they're duking it out. Um, yeah, I'm mean, like, it's and Sampdoria are seventh with Juve, aren't they? If I'm not mistaken. Sampdoria, Sampdoria, yeah. No, they're sixteenth. Sixteenth, are they? Oh, um, it's Fiorentina it that are seventh. Fiorentina must have been, yeah. Yeah, it's Fiorentina yeah, that are seventh. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. it's been uh, no, that's been good. But yeah, they've not been playing well in uh, Syria, and mm. yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think now is a good time to fucking if you're gonna fa- face Juve at any point, now is the time to get it stuck in. They are very yeah. much a wounded beast. Definitely so. And um, and uh, okay, so let's go to Group G then. This is the spice one, the group where anyone could technically qualify. <laughs> so look at this for symmetry, Neil. Look at this for oh, for nature. Lille, eight points. Red Bull, Salzburg, seven points. Chelsea, Sevilla, six. And Wolfsburg, five. Yep. So, like, the, the, anyone could from this group could qualify. And it's, the top, it's, it's the top three of them are on a goal difference of one. <laughs> with, Wolf, <laughs> with Wolfsburg on a goal difference of minus three. It's, 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 uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. There's a wonderful symmetry to this group that I absolutely adore. This I genuinely great. think like they probably all got together and tried to like make this entire group palindromic from top to bottom. Oh, oh I'd love that. 
they, and somebody fucked it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so somebody got a, a rush of blood to the head and went, oh, bollocks to this. But uh, yeah, no, it's, so, it, it really is crazy. Like, this is the one that's going down to the world. This is the group that. This is the fucking group that. Yeah, yeah, to be fair. Um, and, and the gas thing is, so like the way the fixtures play out, it's Leo, Leo, Wolfsburg versus Leo and it's uh, Salzburg versus Sevilla. So the gas thing is like, this could it work out, it could work out that well, like all four teams has eight points, right? So follow me on this journey. Leo what <laughs> Wolfsburg could win two nil against Lille. So both of them have a goal difference of minus one. And then Salzburg and Sevilla could like finish up nil all. So they go and they're also on eight points, but then goal difference brings Salzburg and Sevilla. <laughs> no, Sevilla <laughs> only have Sevilla only have seven points in that one. Seven points, yeah. Sorry. So yeah, Sevilla would would actually be bottom of that group then in that case. Yeah. Like there's so many permutations the, for that the, but that would literally be eight 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 seven points. <laughs> Sevilla what was the <laughs> symmetry? Sorry, right, fucking crazy. Sorry. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That that that's a fun one to watch because like like Sevilla are meant to be the, the strongest team in that group, even though Lille are like defending champions, but we know they've been ravaged with fucking goal scorers. But you know, they still have Jonathan David there, which um I'm keeping an eye on because he'll probably be signing for Liverpool very, very mm-hmm. soon. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, and then Salzburg have like, you know, they're living like past Haaland, past Daka days. So they've like, you know, bring on the next talent. What is his name? Koita. Yes, he will do. <laughs> Funny enough, like out of all those teams, like Salzburg have scored the most goals, but, but like it's only seven. Like, yeah, like Lille are top. Lille are top of that group. They've only scored four fucking goals. Mm. Like, like it, they've it's played a lot of five games. Yeah, <laughs> they've played more. They've scored less goals than they have played games, and they're somehow top of a Champions League group. Like fuck this. Shit. <laughs> that's what we said when I saw a group. Jesus, like oh god, that's a that's a group of no crack. Like you know, big teams in that group, but like. This is why it's 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 ended up being the best group because like, lads, if you're gonna scrap it, yeah, but it's it's not really it it's the best group to kind of like look back on and analyze and make palindromic yeah. jokes about. But my god, like all of these games would have no goals. Like there's no goals. Like this would not be fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes, it's a fair point. But yeah, that's that's how it's looking like uh, going into the into into the last round and the Europa League is more or less settled on a kind of a domestic viewpoint if you want to say that like uh um like West Ham have been home and hose for weeks now at this rate. Rangers look to be getting through, which is good for them. Um under Giovanni Van Broadcast, which should be interesting to see how that goes. Um Leicester are somehow top of their group, which is bizarre to think because they've been terrible in the Europa League. But so have been the rest of the teams in their group. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Um, and, and like I said, like uh, uh West Ham are, are home and hose Celtic didn't even stand a chance, really. Um, and of course, Neil, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the European Conference League. Yeah, boy. Third place, third place Champions League tournament, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And somehow Spurs are making hard work of it. And I absolutely love it. Um, because, Neil, we're going to make a very seamless transition into your cards. Talk to us about Tottingham Ham Hotspur. Oh, come on, where do I begin? Fuck it, I'll begin with the latest, which uh, are latest, uh, <laughs> the latest achievement, which is losing to a team that's fifth in the Slovenian league mm-hmm. that was only formed in 2012. Um, <laughs> ah, 
I just fucking holy shit like how did they like with a full strength team like they yeah, didn't feel the kids yeah. like they had everybody they had Kane they had Son they had Doherty they had Mora they had fucking everybody uh yeah, they were down to 10 men because Sassignon got sent off. Uh, just, they just fucking... They, like, Mora are the lowest-ranked team in the entire Conference League. Yes. like they, And up until this game, they had zero points. Uh, they'd lost every single one of their previous games, all four of them. Mm. And fucking hell, like... I just... <laughs> like, it's... A, Right, it was it was summed up right by Sessignon's red card. Right, it was two yellows. Yeah, and right, we remember Ryan Sessignon, but we remember the memory of Ryan Sessignon, the concept of Ryan Sessignon. Yeah, <laughs> this shit hot little player who was bombing up and down wings, terrifying the fuck out of anybody who went anywhere near him. He racked up something like a hundred caps for Fulham by the age of seventeen. It was he was crazy. His first yellow card was him being borned by a part-time plumber. And not getting back in time, so he had to fell the guy mm. and pick up the bucket. It's like he got he got done for like Cessignon got done for pace. Like yeah. there are fucking like celestial bodies that don't go faster than this guy. And he was just like, holy shit! And the, the second one was just pure laziness. He just <laughs> hacked the guy down. He just doesn't look like he's enjoying his football. He does not no. look like he's enjoying anything. Now maybe it's he doesn't enjoy his the Spurs level of anti-football but fuck me like it this is crazy like none of that team looked like they even wanted to be there none of them <laughs> I just fuck I was watching it, them it, is, like, it, is it a case that they are literally sandbagging that they do just want to get out of this league as quick as they can I think it's just crazy like, but, but why like they've never won anything they've never mm. won anything <laughs> What would, like, do you really? I'm like, funnily enough, like, we used to get, like, Arsenal fans used to always get this. Like, whenever we fielded the kids in the League Cup and crashed out of it every now and again. And people yeah. were like, well, you've not won the league in like 12 years, 10, 11, 12 years. Like, do you, can you really turn your nose up at Cups? So I was like, well, we've won the FA Cup more times than anybody else. Yeah. But yeah, really? like, we don't need the League Cup, pal. Like, the, like we always used to get abuse for turning our nose up at the League Cup. <laughs> like, Really, you think Spurs who've never won anything? You kind of, mm. I kind of think, can you afford to turn your nose up at the conference? Oh no, it's the conference league. But the crash out against, hang on, the the three hundred and seventy eight ranked European top flight club on the Euro index. We all know it's a very nice index. More as more as closest equivalent in England are Cheltenham Town. And so Julian, a league two, a league two side essentially. Yeah, Accrington yeah. Stanley. No, League One. League, okay, League One, fair enough. Okay. League One, Accrington, Stanley, Burton Albion, Cheltenham Town and Gillingham all have the closest Euro club index ratings. Fantastic. That's the level. Like, so, am I right to say that that is actually the Spurs way? That is the history of the Tottenham. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure out what is the Spurs way now because I, I may have lost some in translation. <laughs> Just don't fucking know. Like it's just, <laughs> just what is going on with this team? Like this mm. is a fantastic, well, not a fantastic team, but they've got good players. Like just none of them want to play there. They've literally just all thrown in the towel. None yeah. of them want to be there. None of them want to do anything. The whole thing's gone completely tits up. 
they've, the worst thing about it is now they now they've now going to be like in like commanded by like Antonio Conte, who is going to demand so much. Oh, you want to see the face of Conte at the fucking end of that match? He was literally looked like he was saying, "Beam me up, Scotty." Yeah, (laughs) I I, I I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all because. I think he like I think he said it at the end of the game. He now realised how difficult his assignment is going to be. Holy how do you shit. motivate an entire squad who all wants to? Leave? Now, I don't even want to leave the club, or they're just so jaded being there. Well, you, the thing is, right? They've all now completely torpedoed their value, so none of them are yeah. going for any. Like Levi wants money for these quad players. Now you may turn around and go, "Well, he's entitled to claim money for his players." And Absolutely, on a yeah. certain level, you're yeah. like, "All right, then you're correct." But who's going to pay any money for these gimps? Nobody's mm. going to pay any money for Set Kane because they've to buy four years, three years out of his contract. Nobody's going to pay huge money for Son because they've to buy four years out of his contract. And nobody's looking for the rest of them. Ali, mm. like, people are joking, semi, semi joking, uh, by stating that Ali is sending his brother out <laughs> his place to play football yeah. because his form has just dropped off a cliff. Nobody's yeah. going to pay anything. He's not worth 10 bob. Uh, you know, the only person there is Ndombele, who's seemingly still really, really talented, but just doesn't want to put in the work. He's, he's so mercurial. It's hard to tell when he's having a good game Exactly. And so, but yeah. he's the type of player that you could imagine a lot of clubs with certain types of managers would go, I could get something out of this guy. I could really do something. Look at him. He's mm. got a talent. Give me six months fucking working him down like a fucking horse, like breaking him, literally breaking him like a horse so I can actually get this talent out of this fucker. Yeah. Um, and, and like he does have some clubs coming in for him, but um, no, he's the only person with any kind of value that they'd get. Maybe Cessnon as well, and that's only because he's so young that clubs will go, well, we can actually, we can afford to spend a yeah. year. We can afford to spend a year getting him to unlearn everything he's learned at Spurs. <laughs> we can, we can wash the Spurs off him. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can scrub him out if we scrub him hard enough. <laughs> the the, shite the barnacles off the ship. Yeah, yeah exactly. The absolute shite will come out. Like this is fucking. Ah, oh, it is terrible. Like, but like nobody like La Celso. Remember, I I remember when they got La Celso thinking, oh man, how did they get him? I was jealous. I was pure jealous. I was like, yeah. holy fuck. Now I'm like, nah. If the rest of the team aren't worth 10 bob, he's not worth that pickled egg. <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is terrible. Really? Like, like it's, it's weird. I'm loving this, but this is I am shocked. I am utterly shocked. This is fucking horrific this is yeah. absolutely horrific uh like the conte was saying oh he you know his players are on notice that he's assessing them for future value he's assessing them for future performances nobody on that pitch deserves to get a fucking shirt back no more sanchez, sanchez was dreadful sanchez was absolutely good like, fuck me i was watching it going oh my fucking god i legit think I could have done a better job than most of those. Mm. It was fucking tragic. <laughs> <laughs> and lo- no, long the exasperation may- in your voice really sells me on it, by the way. <laughs> long, may- long may you fucking continue, but like, yeah, holy shit, if they played like this in the league, they would get absolutely pumped. Ah, I just... Is it is it down to motivation, do you think? I think it's 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 a malaise club. I think there's fuck all motivation. 
I think that the the club's gone in the wrong direction since they got rid of Potticello, which I think me now is, everybody yeah, everybody is on board as saying was absolutely the wrongest thing they could possibly do. Yeah, absolutely not backing them. You know, it's just going like I I I you imagine like but loads of that team played in the Champions League final a few years back. Yeah. So like they call like this is inherently it's the same thing it's the same team. There's people are like I was at the Champions League final, literally one step away from the greatest prize in fucking club football, mm. and now here I am losing to the fifth best team in Slovenia. <laughs> it does make it. It does sound worse than when you when you say it like that. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> when I say it like that, you mean but I actually describe the reality. You describe it in agonizing detail. Yeah, you just you just put an extra like little bit of niggle on that. You know the kind of way like you just. It's just harsh, man. It's harsh the way you say it like that, you know? <laughs> but th- that's the reality of it. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. I understand, like, Spurs fans must be used to, like, disappointment, but to cut the coin of Roy Keane phrase, but this is fucking garbage. Like, oh, man, yeah. oh, my God. Like, this is hilarious. Like, I only hope, yeah. I only hope they're still this bad when the next uh, derby comes around because holy yeah, shit. Yeah, be fair. Holy! I mean, just trying to figure out where when we play him next. I think we play him around Christmas. I was like, "Oh, please be shit by then, please by shit. That would be great. Thank you. Would that be nice? Would that be nice? You know, would that be oh, But um, yeah, nineteenth of December is when yeah, we play the, him. So. The, the comment section on like loads of fucking websites because I was looking yeah. up the match reports, and most of the comment section is just people like posting up lads. It's Tottenham in Slovenian. <laughs> that's harsh that's so harsh but it's so funny <laughs> uh, yeah lads it spores it's now been translated into about 26 different fucking languages fantastic yeah, yeah that, that, that is the magic of the UCL lads that is the magic of the Europa Conference League <laughs> we, can, we now learn, we're able to learn all these different languages all these cultures we're absorbing through how shit spurs have been again it, 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 the, the assignment has worked, lads. The assignment has worked. Um, but in any case, um, I'll get on to my card then um, because I wanted to talk about Irish football for a change. <laughs> now, I know normally when this happens, it's more or less Burkbot lamenting the fact that we don't have a football association. And uh, when we do, they don't actually understand how women work, which is a fair point. I don't have, I have no idea. Do you know how women work? I have no idea. Have no well, idea. they don't either. <laughs> oh, that's good. Then. That's grand. The, the, I, people I, are, the people who are in the FAI don't really know how the FAI works. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Like... I, I legit thought I was the only one, and um, that's grand. So, um, but yeah, like uh, I'm actually going to talk about the League of Ireland tonight because um, we have been, despite promising to cover the league, and um, we didn't really talk about that much because um, it was a bit of a formality in the end with Rovers winning by a fucking country mile. Um, 16 points to be clear, but I'm not talking about the Royal Rovers tonight. I'm not talking about any of the teams that actually did well, like Pats, like Bows, to be fair, you know, um, in a cup final uh, next week. Oh, um, yes, just... you know, but it has been actually a surprisingly banterous uh, season of League of Ireland football. Um, a few stories I could share maybe would be Dundalk, um, absolutely shit in the bed, despite Dundalk being like a like a owned by an American, like you know, sports ball, football, Ted Lasso, yeah, type of uh, partnership, and then literally making such a mockery of the Irish League by signing all these players who actively do not want to be there, but they've been told, Come here and we'll sell you one for money. Oh, you're gone already, never mind. Um, <laughs> and 
essentially selling like sacking like more coaches than players uh over the season and being in the relegation battle for quite some time now again if we don't initiate it league of Ireland is only a 10 team like league so there's only one relegation spot and one playoff so you're one of the like either last or second last in that, ta- in that table and longford god love you you, you took that record really well <laughs> <laughs> 25 losses over a season is fucking Derby County levels of banter. But that's a separate issue. So Dundalk are there. Dundalk are meant to be like title challengers. They're meant to be like the, the, the most, currently the most successful team in Ireland, um, at least on, in, on a European standpoint. But again, they have their own issues and they very much, very much sank up the stone uh, this season. In fact, they, sacked, they had three managers, four managers over a season, which is ludicrous. Because um, it's a relatively short season as well. It's only 36, 36 games. And um, uh, Derry City, who were like bottom of the group, bottom of the league for two months, and then suddenly like getting new money and uh, then crawling up the fort, which is say how competitive that league was. But the team I'm actually talking about is Waterford today because um, I just came across this story because again, they didn't have any like strong cards this week. Um, because like you know, French football, we're not going to discuss yet because we think it's still going to be on fire by the time we get to it next week. So you, you don't, you'll, you'll appreciate if we if we hold off. If you have time at the end, we'll, we'll do a brief rundown of the dynasty yeah. level fucking... <laughs> I, I, it, it, it stopped psychosexual, a psychosexual melodrama that is French football. <laughs> psychosexual melodrama is a very French concept, to be fair. It's very French. Uh, yeah. It's very French. It's quite French. Uh, Kel French, even. Um, <laughs> But yeah, now Waterford, Waterford is the team I want to talk about today because they are currently ninth in the league. And that's important because they are in the relegation playoff um, and they're currently playing against UCD as I'm, uh, as I'm talking. I'm sure Neil will let us know the match is getting on. But, um, but the reason I want to talk to them is, is because this is a pivotal match uh, for Waterford. If they win, they stay in the league. If not, they are relegated to the first division where they have to play against literal farmers. Um, <laughs> that's not true, by the way. Um, but the hilarious thing about this is that not three days before they before this uh, the playoff, they sacked their manager Mark Bertram, who was a former Canadian international. So they sacked him off and replaced him yeah, immediately with uh, Ian Hendon, who was uh, who was formerly of a of a few other parishes and um, like coaches and so forth. But that is not the whole story, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a simple, a simple thing of a, of a poorly timed sacking. No, no, no. There's, there's so much more about this. Um, especially when you read the statement of Mark Bertram himself, who goes on to say, after a brief text conversation with the owner last night and a difference of opinion on a couple of matters, I have surprisingly been given a one-week suspension, meaning I will no longer be able to manage the team Friday night in the big playoff game. Anyone who knows me that knows I'm a man of principles and will stick to them. That leads me to say I have the utmost confidence in the players and staff to finish off this amazing journey with the rich when they so richly deserve at the demand of the effort and prevent blah, blah, blah. Details. Essentially, he was sacked by text <laughs> by the owner, right? But that is still not the end of the journey, ladies and gentlemen, because Mark Bertram did an interview with Talk Sports, which, as we all know, is the Brexit of football. And... Uh, <laughs> And supposedly, there is a in the interview with um, with Mark, with Mark Bertram, he suggested the reason the own there is tension with the owner. The owner of Waterford, by the way, is a man called Richard Forrest. And um, basically, um, Bertram would not play his son George, and he didn't want him as the, in the squad next season. So, according to Mark Bertram in that interview with Talksport, that is why he got sacked because he refused to play the owner's son. 
in the playoff final and also for next season. Which is, oh, that's uh, that's, that's like something. African tin pot dictator level shit. Like, it's it, it, it's a weird how we just kind of like we kind of treat it as normal for us, but then we would like, as I said, slag off like the African or even, even like the South American <laughs> like leagues for having the same problem. You know, like this, like it's very clear. Like, I want you to play my son. No, well then you're getting shot. You know, it's just like all right, it's a bit harsh, lads. To be fair, but um. But yeah, that's exactly. It. I just found it like to be such a hilarious fucking story. It's the fact that like you, you, you don't, you don't, you want, you have a manager who's trying to save your team from relegation because you won't play your little son with a silver spoon in his nose. Oh no, guess no, no, go away, get sacked. You know, it's just like <laughs> the fuck, lads. Honestly, but um, yeah, that was the. I thought I'd share that very very funny story. Um. To talk about that. Now, we do have a couple of minutes uh, of injury time here if you want to give us a brief little talk in the French football and then we can get give, give, give ourselves a good deep dive when it like starts smoldering next, next time we're playing. Absolutely, yes. So, the mental thing about French football, well, obviously the latest um, uh, the, the latest one is Karim Benzema getting a one-year suspended sentence and a 50, or 75 grand fine for being yes. found guilty of attempting the blackmail, of being involved in the blackmail of one of his own players, one of his own teammates. Um, so yeah, that's just that's just crazy in and of itself. They're appealing the charge now as well, so fuck knows how that's, that's going to go. Uh, it's just absolutely crazy. So, however, the front line of menacing sexual energy, as it's been known, uh, Paris. Uh, so, we mentioned earlier on that there was an attack on Paris Saint-Germain feminine midfielder Kira Hamouri probably mm-hmm. definitely saying that wrong yeah so it was initially thought that her teammate who was also driving the car um, <laughs> uh, was responsible for it as she took her place in the team and played a blinder and is basically now in the team in her place mm-hmm. But as it turns out, no, it's not. So witnesses then reported that the two men who beat her around the legs with iron bars um, were shouting at her, oh, so you like to sleep with married men, which is something that her teammate did not mention uh, to, in order to, for the sake of her friend's private life. So as it turns yeah, out, yeah. she was actually really doing a very good thing uh, by not mentioning this, by keeping stum and actually kind of taking the bullet for, <laughs> for her friend getting beaten up. But no. <laughs> As it later turns out, detectives have found out that Hamrui's phone is registered in the name of Eric Abidal, the <laughs> former Barcelona, the f- former Barcelona technical director. Or something yes. Like that. Yeah. So the rumors were that they were having an affair. So I'm wondering, Abidal's wife has now filed for divorce. <laughs> 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 With uh, Abidal now begging for forgiveness on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, it's just fucking crazy. Like, this is going to run. This is going to run and run. Yeah. And, yeah, that's just fucking mental. So what we've got is a former director of football's wife sending armed thugs to, you know, bash the legs off of a French professional footballer for sleeping with her husband. Um, <laughs> No, it needs the point where another in the men's team, uh, the their main striker, 
well, the person who's going to probably be leading the line for them, has been found guilty of blackmailing one of the other teammates <laughs> over a sex tape and has been given a one-year suspended sentence. I'm sorry, it was a hundred grand fine. Apologies. Yes, of course. Um, what the fuck is going on with French football? And uh, I, 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 before we move on to it, I, I did actually just check how Waterford, Waterford are doing. Yeah, they lost 2-1. They're relegated. <laughs> so it serves you fucking right, you stupid fucking idiot. <laughs> you fucking stupid, stupid, stupid idiot. Um, sorry. Um, as I was saying, yeah, no, I, I don't know where to start because, like, you mentioned even the two blackmail cases there. Dimitri Pai got hit by a missile four <laughs> yes, days he a, ago. You got a bottle in the head. Like, to just That's old news. Right Harrison. <laughs> Yeah, that was four days ago and it was already old news. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's fucking insane. Like, it's, it's absolutely insane. Because the, the, the thing about it was that um, with the pilots of like the, there's been nothing but crowd trouble um, in league on the, like this season. A lot of ultras from the likes of like very tit for tat ultras as well. Like, either, like the Leon ultras will do something, then the Marseille ultras will do something. Um, St. Etienne ultras as well. Like, there's been so many. Um, disruptions uh, this season in League On, and the, the worst thing is that it is clearly getting worse. You know because, um, I think this is I think they, they keep pointing like the kind of social distress in 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 France itself, which is uh can, can be commonplace at times. Uh, just like a more of a cultural thing, like yeah, uh, more than anything else. But it's also the fact that like there's just no one like governing for it. There's no one actively trying to make it to to try and fix things and make it better. There is just like constant chaos constant madness in in league on and the, the the as i say was getting worse like they're, they're actively targeting other players now like dimitri Pyatt, i think has been hit twice this season yeah i was, I was actually about to chime in there it's like that's actually the second bottle to the face he's gotten yeah <laughs> you know and and the, th- and, the, and the thing with that is then i think uh, the um i think the leon keeper got hit with something as well behind the ear anthony lopez so like it's 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 all it's not indiscriminate. It is very targeted against certain teams and certain players. And because the actual governing of the league has been very weak, there's been very poor like um like governing of the league because obviously like they don't even have a TV deal for God's sake. They're just they're practically homeless, you know. Um, in that regard, um, so like the the fact that like there's so much like spotlight now on league on to the to this extent is is quite is quite upsetting because um. I'm even trying. I'm even trying to see. I think it's been like five or six matches this season that's been stopped because of of uh, fan violence. So I'm even reading through here. So yeah, Leon Marseille, which is a uh, is that the La Classique? I can't remember. I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's a derby game. Yeah, that's a derby really game. Yeah, so, like each other. Yeah, so that's the yeah that's the Olympico. Sorry, I, I know La Classique is um, is Leon PSG. So um, so yeah, that was like that was called off after Pia got hit. Um, and uh, that, that's after coming from, I think, a couple of other matches. I'm just kind of, kind of uh, remind myself of here. Yes, there was a, another derby was between Lance and Lille, and uh, there was crowd troubles in September when uh, like fans threw objects at each other <laughs> before people ran to the pitch, um, and then we had intervene there. Uh, Montpellier, Angers, Marseille, and Saint Etienne have all had crowd trouble at their matches. Um, so yeah, there have there have been six instances of like crowd trouble in league on the season and and they're all different fan groups they're all ultras they're all um like trying like i don't have a frustration because the league is, is going down the pot or it's because of other reasons and uh essentially 
everything is it's kind of kicking off. Like it, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a sense of bad timing if it wasn't the fact that like this is the season where Lionel Messi has arrived in your league, and here you are literally shitting on your own doorstep because you're too stupid not to throw a bottle. You know what I mean? Like it is. There's banter, and then there's like, wow, you really actually don't want to be successful, do you? You actually would rather be miserable. Well done, lads. Well mm. fucking done. Like, actually a good, there was actually a good gift going around of that fan that hit Payet with the second bottle. Yes. Uh, getting a slap from another fan. Especially yeah, I saw that. He just went like, yeah. got a fucking clatter. Like. Yeah, the guy's like on the tier below him and still managed yeah. to reach up and clatter him. I was like, yeah, good favor. There needs to be more of that. <laughs> like, remember, like, like when Rovers, um, when that prick, that, Rover, that prick Rovers fan like, like shot the firework onto the pitch, mm. someone should have given him a slap. Literally, was like, fucking idiots, you know? Like, they need more of that. An actual fan slapper, that's what we need. Like a, a, a desert, we have a fan representative, right? But we need someone to be able to like a fan slapper whenever um, whenever shit like that happens. So it's like correction. <laughs> the bad who slaps in the mail. That's it. Slaps boys. <laughs> I'm thinking of that meme of the guy who like it's like a bar at a barbecue and just people line up to get slapped by him. Like I'm just thinking someone like that. I think um, <laughs> I think he, that'd be a good job for him. But um yeah, that's that's the way it's looking right now. Um but um uh, that's pretty much it, Neil, really, isn't it? I think, uh, do we have any other business before we wrap up tonight? Uh, there's a couple, but there's none that I can probably mention for loyalist reasons. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to mention the names and then trust I can buzz them out? <laughs> well, there's a, there's, a weird, there's a really weird one about, uh, actually, this I, I can say this because it doesn't mention any names, but via yeah. Romain Molina on Football for All, uh, he's broken that a current French international had a party where he decided to shit in people's mouths while filming himself. Had to be France. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's a huge rumor going around about who it is, which we'll say after you click after the not recording. record button. <laughs> yeah, uh, I won't say that. Um, and also another one, another really weird, the weird shit about James Rodriguez is still going around. Okay. Do you know that one that apparently the reason why like his forms dropped off a cliff and nobody wants to sign him and he was let go for nothing was because he wants to become a woman. Oh, okay. Hi, <laughs> uh, God. Hi, God. It's got quite possibly the weirdest fucking WhatsApp. Yeah, here we go. Right. So apparently, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is this is earlier in the year, right? Um, he's also dyed his hair like neon aquamarine blue now for some fucking weird reason. As, as you do, yeah. So here's here's the WhatsApp message. Mate, Rodriguez is never going to play. This is from earlier this year. Mate, okay. Rodriguez is never going to play football again. It's all being hushed up by the club. Ancelotti doesn't want the team distracted in the run-in if the news breaks out. The players themselves haven't even been told. It's going to be the biggest news in football when it hits. A couple of years ago, he decided to want to live as a woman and started taking hormone pills. That's why Real got rid of him for nothing and no other club went in for him. Everton just thought he was worth a punt for the short sales in Colombia. It's weakened his body, which is why he's only been managing 60 minutes here and there. Remember that bruised testicle earlier in the season? Hormones. After the Anfield game, he decided to want to go through with the full gender reassignment surgery, and that's why he hasn't been seen since. He had it done last week. <laughs> this is earlier. <laughs> FA can't say he's in the main... FA say he can't be in the men's game anymore and it ends with the immortal line they've chopped this dick off lad <laughs> it's just the best fucking... I got that whatsapp message I didn't mention it because I was just like this is clearly horseshit and I'm like, I still yeah. think it is horseshit by the way 
but I just have to uh, just for any other business. But yeah, <laughs> there's th that's the that's one theory as to where he is right now. The other theory is that he's moved to Qatar to escape Everton and is regaining fitness before before going to join Paris Saint Germain in January. Yeah, you mentioned that because it's 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 in the same kind of shell company, so it's a case of like they they can literally sign up for nothing then in in January. So yeah, that 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 sounds a lot more sensible. Um, yeah. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going with the sensible option, are you, John? I am. Fucking, I am Neil. I, I feel fucking like wimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm the side boy after the fucking story you just told. Come on. I I don't, I, I did not. I'm just being a journalist. I wish I could come up with shit like this. If I could come up with stuff like this now, fucking hell, I'd be writing for a living. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, in terms of any other business, um, oh yeah, Antonio Conte has added butter to the banned foods list. Excellent. So they can't have ketchup and they can't have butter. That's Eric Dyer. Along with loads of other things, apparently. Now he's banned shitloads of food. That's Maybe that's why they don't want to play for him. They're like, we can't have ketchup because of this motherfucker. Buttergate. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that would be so funny if that's the reason like the players go against him. It's like, Dan, Dan, Daniel? Yeah, yes. Yes, Harry, what is it? They, they took away our... Antonio's taking away our butter and we have nothing to spread on our toast. I thought you also if they haven't toast. But he said we can have one. <laughs> if we're really good... <laughs> You're not really good, Harry. We're not good. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, dear. Spurs, man. This gift that keeps on giving. It says a lot when, like, you know, when you have, like, an Amazon documentary going this season and they pick the wrong club for it. Ah, oh, absolutely. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, lads, um, yeah, we're going to wrap it up there then. Um, and uh, we will uh, we will leave, we'll leave you on a couple of weeks. So let's just stew over... Uh, what we've been saying. We do have actually a lot of games coming up in the next couple of weeks because we have midweek fixtures, Neil. Including um we have a Merseyside Derby, which is exciting. You're playing you're playing Man United. And yes. you know, yes, it should be good. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna have a lovely time, maybe. Depends. But um it, it, we'll see how it goes anyway. But Neil, thank you very much for now, anyway, for your company. Thanks and uh, we, we will have we'll of course talk very, very soon um, as we rapidly uh, head towards Christmas. And uh, as you all know, is the denizen of uh, football injuries. So hamstring snipers, manual positions, you know what to do. Uh, so <laughs> we'll we'll see you then. If you have been enjoying our podcast, guys, uh, you can give us a follow on Spotify and uh, keep an eye on everything that we're doing on that regard. And like I said, we do this every two weeks. So uh, by all means, listen to this episode, uh, give us our likes and follows, and then listen to some of our other ones and see if we're proven right with some of our opinions. Some more right than others, I'll be honest. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a big one there at the end that I think we're going to know, want to know the outcome of. Yes. I think we kind of know which one that's going to be. <laughs> I, I'm willing to call fiction on that one. If I'm putting my John the Frakes hat on, that's, a, that, that was the, that's another legend. That one was the invention of a writer. Um, but yeah, I, I, and like I say, if you want to listen to hear more of us in general, you can follow us at Monday Madness LP on Twitter. You can subscribe to us in the same ad, uh, on YouTube as well if you want to see some of our video gaming content, which is mostly what we do, to be fair. Um, but otherwise, lads, thank you very much for your for your company tonight. Thank you very much for listening, because all of that was liquid football. Woo! Except the stuff about Hamas Rodriguez. That was completely bullshit. <laughs>